Hi, welcome to another episode of our Supercharged Podcast, where we look at leadership development at Resurrection Church. My name is Pastor Daniel, and joining me today is our Family Ministries Director, Chris Heimberger. Say hello. Hello. Uh, We're going to be uh, talking today about what it looks like to build a development plan. Now, we're actually going to cover a couple different pieces of this. We're going to look at what it looks like to create a development plan for volunteers inside of a ministry. We're also going to look at what it looks like to create a development plan for someone when you're just mentoring or discipling them, so sort of outside of specific ministries. And then we'll talk through the tension of kind of when you have to do both, which happens more often probably (laughs) than you would think. Um, And it's complex. In fact, before we even recorded this podcast, I was in a conversation about the complexity of this and, and how our church has got to do a better job of creating processes for this because it's important, because it's critical, because it's hard. So um, this should be a lot of fun. Um, now, let me just recap. We don't, You don't have to listen to these podcasts in order. They're intended to kind of be a library about different subjects uh, to help you if you're uh, developing someone or you're discipling or you're teaching competencies. And so a lot of our podcasts for Supercharged focus on the competency side of the coin and not on the, the character side. We do that in our in-person sessions. But we've talked early on about vision. We talked a lot about vision and how you have to use vision as a leader when you're developing anyone. And then we we kind of moved from that and we've worked a little bit on uh, different things like evaluations, you know, mm-hmm. doing evals and using facts um, and, and then having accountability. So we've kind of looked at some correction side of uh, working and developing inside ministries and so uh, today, as we talk about development plans, I want to start with this, and I want to have you kind of explain some of this, and then uh, we'll 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 kind of go back and forth again between ministry development, a plan, and discipleship development plan. Uh, tell me, Chris, you you're sort of renowned in our uh, church staff as maybe the person that has put together and enacted more ministry development plans for volunteers than anyone else that I know. I had to hold in that chuckle because I, uh, I don't know that I would say renowned, but okay. I, 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 again, it's been a struggle, right? When, when everything hits the fan, the first thing that goes oftentimes is the work that we're trying to do actually developing our volunteers because we're just trying to put fires out and keep ministry running. You've done a very honorable job, an admirable job, like, like investing in people in a structured way. Um, tell me why you have been so motivated to do that? What what takes you back to building development plans over and over again? Well, <clears throat> first things first, I just by nature am an enabler. Mm. I like to walk with people. I like to do it with them. I like to prepare them so that when they are on their own, that they are fully capable and confident in themselves to do things. Um, so with that comes, you know, you have to look at the ministry. You have to look at the expectations you have for the ministry to run. And then you have to say to yourself, what does that person need? And once you figure out what that person needs, then there is a plethora of places to start developing them from. Have you had a extended season in any of your ministries, in your time in ministry, where you just completely forgot about doing development plans and and didn't do it? Oh, absolutely. You get very busy. So we have a philosophy in leadership where you have to be on your ministry instead of in your ministry all the time when you're a leader. And it's very easy to get plugged back into your ministry because you refuse to delegate, because you refuse to 
teach somebody how to do it. Mm. Um, one of our primary jobs is to prepare somebody to take our place because we're not going to be here forever. Right. And when you remember that, as you develop leaders, you give them an opportunity to even consider being that person because it's something they may have never considered before. Mm. So when you get busy being in your ministry instead of being on your ministry, that is when you forget that people have to be developed. Makes sense. Um, talk to me about the the wins. Give me give me maybe a, a specific example. Maybe you can be more general if if nothing comes to mind. But talk to me about the wins of you know putting a development plan together for a volunteer and watching them grow in the competencies. You know where you, they become a, a leader. They go from volunteer to man. They're ready to lead in that ministry. So. When I start to think about competencies, you're, th- you're thinking about things like casting vision and course correction and primarily some of the harder things that we do in ministry. So for me, my biggest joy is to, you know, watch that person go, I don't like conflict. I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> and then you just see them over a period of time, just gradually view conflict as something that's not that difficult, that it's really just about throwing a velvet brick at somebody and lovingly having a hard conversation. Mm. Um, for me, that is that is the biggest win, is that just having the confidence that not everything is a big, terrible, scary thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. So, I, Do you feel like your best leaders in ministries over the course of the years have come from people that you have implemented that that leadership plan or that development plan with and they've they've participated in it for long enough that you watch the growth happen through that? Oh, absolutely. When I ran the kids ministry, I would have shepherds meetings every month. Mm. And I one time made every volunteer sit across from another volunteer, put a situation in front of them and said, pretend you're this person and talk to that person. Mm. <laughs> and it was difficult because they looked at each other for a little bit, but I just kind of sat there until everybody had the confidence to talk to their peer about what they would potentially be talking to a stranger about. Mm. So, uh, w- you know, one of the things that, that you do um, that I don't think everyone does, in fact, I would say maybe a lot of, uh, even, in fact, in our church today, I think this this is absent in a lot of areas where we need to develop it. And that is that, you put f- formal development plans together. You know, you you have a written plan of what you're trying to get done inside the ministry and with individuals. And you're kind of tracking lessons and what you're teaching. And, um, you know, inside of a ministry, we, we see two types of skills that need to be taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, general competencies that probably anyone in ministry needs. And, you know, everyone's got to, has to understand how to communicate clearly. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> you just, there's it's no true. ministries where communication is not needed. And then you have uh, specific skills or specific competencies for the type of ministry that you're, uh, you're working on. Now, it's interesting because the discipleship development, when you're doing a plan, so let's say I have some people in my small group, um, it's so much more informal and yet there's still kind of a split there's the discipleship and, and foundational doctrines and, and competencies and skills and character traits that everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to know how to read the Bible. Oh, yeah. They just, everyone needs to know how to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, the fruit of the spirit. Everyone needs to work on those things. And so there's some some commonality stuff. And then there's these this sort of assessment thing. So I get people in my group and over the a couple sessions, as I'm getting to know them, I'm making this sort of internal uh, checklist of things like, oh man, they really have to work on humility. Oh wow, that person's really impatient. And, and I'm making this list so that I know, man, if, if I begin to get to a, an opportunity to do long-term discipleship with this person, I know some stuff that we've got to go work on and, and um, maybe we'll do a devotion together. Maybe we'll read a book together, right? So, so some similarities mm-hmm. to that. Um, and then some, some things that are just, you know, vastly different because, um, let, me, let me ask you how you handle this. So how much of your development plans are a kind of real-time assessment of where the whole, all the people are at and how much of it is sort of an individual, like, you know, one volunteer really needs to learn A, but another volunteer really learns and needs B and three other volunteers really need C. I mean, how are you handling that? So currently the way I'm training my youth volunteers, um, we are really specifically talking about Gen Z. Mm. It's a huge generation. That is the specific generation that we're talking to. But that generation is made of made up of Xers, and Zers and millennials all mm. in one and getting them to even understand how to communicate to each other because they all comprehend differently and they all communicate differently. That's my primary big focus of what I'm doing. I need you to know how to talk to each other because if you don't know how to talk to each other, how are you going to disciple somebody? Mm. Um, but in the past, I have made when we've used our leadership pipeline, I've taken our competencies and characteristics and I've said, rate yourself because you don't know what you need to develop if you don't take an assessment of who you are. And when you take that assessment, I sit down and talk to you. Mm. Okay, where do you think you're struggling? Why do you think you're struggling there? What are you doing about it? How are you keeping your strengths? Strengths. And why do you put more effort into those? So we're constantly asking questions back and forth where you do have to take time to talk to them, which is the relational side of it. Right. How much of, so So let's say in a ministry, you know, uh, you've got to assess the competencies. You've got to teach to the, you know, the competencies of what they need to know. And then at the same time, this character development that needs to happen in your volunteers and in maybe in, in leaders that are underneath you, you know, before they can grow as leaders, how much of that are you taking on personally? And how much of that are you trying to either delegate or find areas in the church where they, they can get developed? Like, like what's that look like? So, um, because I have volunteers in my ministry that are both male and female, um, I do have a deacon on my team. Um, and I primarily use him to invest in my male volunteers. Though when I teach whole group, then, you know, everybody is being taught together. Right. But there are certain conversations you have with women and certain conversations you have with men and mm-hmm. you actually need to know your line. Um, but one of my youth volunteers is somebody I personally mentor. Another one of my youth volunteers is somebody I work with in the office. So, I tend to actually know them better mm-hmm. and can talk more on the character side of things. Got it. How do you assess when someone is a volunteer is ready for leadership? How do you know? I think you watch them. Mm-hmm. I mean, my biggest thing is anybody who comes into youth ministry, they come in, 
and I watch them interact with the kids. And we have a generalized job description of this is what you do when you're in here. These are your expectations. However, you know, if you see things that are off, you have to be willing to go and have a conversation because that conversation says, hey, I'm noticing you could be a really great leader, but this is missing or you're struggling in this area. So I think observation is the biggest key. Is is someone... Uh, ready for you to, you know, consider leadership or whatever that next step in the process looks like for you. Is someone ready for that once they're doing all of the things consistently that were on the job description for a volunteer? So how do you know? When a, so let's say the volunteer is doing the, the quote unquote, the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're fulfilling the expectations you gave them. Does that mean they're ready? For, you know, what would your next step be? Does that mean you're ready to be a leader or to be considered for leadership? I mean, like, Um, No, I mean, it's more than that. Some of the questions that I ask them, I'm like, do you have a mentor? If I'm not your mentor, do you have a mentor? Do you have a mentee who are people pouring into you? Um, So a lot of times even asking those questions because they're outside of the job description, but then it also says, hey, are you doing this in your real life? Do you have an accountability partner? Mm. Are you opening your Bible every day? We do quarterly heart checks and that's where we get into the nitty gritty. Mm. What does your quiet time look like? How often are you spending in the Lord? What are your priorities? What do you do really well at your job? Why do you think that? Do you have people who talk to you and ask you how you're doing? You know, just asking the hard questions. So it's not just a checkbox. It's, it, what's interesting to me is what you're observing is is real life, which means you're going to see both uh, competencies, whether they do them well or they don't. And you're going to see character, whether they have it or they don't. You're going to see everything, right? Because you're watching them. But your your heart checks are essentially all character. Oh, they are. I mean, everything you just said, I'm like, oh, character, they character, are. character, character, they character. Are. <laughs> yeah. So you regardless of the fact that we have this responsibility as leaders to teach our volunteers, um, to equip people in the ministry with skills, mm-hmm. uh, and that we may not be the personal developer of their character because they may have a mentor, they may be in a group, they may have other people. All that's true. In fact, you you essentially just said all that, but then you still are coming back at this interval and you're saying, hey, let's push hard on the character, maybe even some of the hidden stuff on everybody, right? And let's Let's almost like let's let's poke till someone says ouch. Like mm-hmm. let's see, you know, where it's at in here. Um that's 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 very interesting. What do you think is what what are things that you want to work more on? Like what do you think is is missing from your plan or or just things you just wish you had the time to do? I mean, man, if you're gonna make big leaps in the development plans for we'll just use youth ministry as a good example. Uh, if you can make big de- leaps in the development side of those uh, leaders and volunteers, what would it take? What would you want to have in there? I mean, again, I'm going to go back to really understanding your generation. Mm-hmm. But as a church, we are multi-generational. We have many different people serving within our within the youth, youth ministry specifically. Um, communication is always going to be something I'm going to push on. Um, but the other thing is most volunteers, most people in general will push their own self-leadership aside. Hmm. And so what I want to encourage my volunteers to do is to take that 50, 75% of their time and develop themselves. Hmm. Because 
I can give them all the information, but if they don't absorb it and do something with it, nothing's going to come from it. How many, and, and you've, you've had many different ministries over the years. And so this is, may have looked different. It may be the same, but um, how often do the volunteers know specifically what the development plan is that you have for them? And how often is it like you have a plan and they just see the lesson of the day or the month or what have you? It's so it, it really depends. Okay. Right now, it's we have a monthly meeting. Okay. And that's how you know what's going on. I try to give the information a month ahead um, just so that they have time to prepare. I also try to provide them with extra leadership development that is going to be specific to what they're doing in the ministry. In the past, I've had people, we've sat down, we've written out, okay, we're going to work on this, we're going to work on this, we're going to work on this. So it's it's happened both ways. One's a little more organic than the other. It's a lot easier to put a plan together for somebody that you're mentoring mm-hmm. than for a whole team. It really is. Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining me and uh, recording this. And I, I hope this is encouraging and also it's like educational for people both in our church and others that are listening to it as ways to attack these gaps um, to help uh, train volunteers, to help grow up uh, leaders in their midst, uh, equip them, develop them, get them ready. Um, And the more we're willing to put real energy into equipping people and training them, I think the better. Uh, Any closing thoughts you want to mention? Just put yourself first. I mean, I know it's silly in the church world because we say we have to care for others, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. So if you are not investing in your spiritual, mental, emotional, physical health, you've got nothing to pour from. I would agree. In fact, I would say not only you, you're kind of talking about the spiritual side and the uh, character side. And I would say that's even true on the competency side. It's very tough to teach something you don't know. And so as a leader, you know, if I want to, if I think there's a big humility gap, I better start learning about humility. If I think there's a gentleness gap in there, I better start learning. So whatever area, you know, I want to go teach, but I better be doing a lot of work trying to learn myself so that I have someone to teach from. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, Church, we hope this was edifying and encouraging. We hope this is helpful for you. Until next time, the Lord bless.